Hello, Mavs fans. It is your friends, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe, coming to you after the third straight Dallas Mavericks victory, heading into the pseudo-All-Star break. They won against the Oklahoma City Thunder in what felt like a trap game, but they came out ahead 87-78. to Josh, what is going on? Uh, nothing much. That was, that was a crappy game. <laughs> we just we've been talking about it in our slack we just talked about it before we started hit record i mean there's not much more you could say them it was a it was a relatively crappy game uh neither team looked particularly great but the mavericks did just enough did what they needed to do and got a win and they can get on the all-star break and i guess that's really all we can ask for i guess at this point without yeah. Luka Doncic. Yep, so Luca sat out the game, which was just an orchestrated bit of nonsense from Rick Carlisle and the Mavericks, where, well, Luca's had some back pain for several weeks. Important that he sit out now. You know, that kind of that kind of bit. You know, they got to do this song and dance. I don't bet Luca's back is hurting him from carrying the Mavs for 36 games, but to the extent that he had an injury, let's just say that I consider myself questionable in the sense so i don't know it's it we, what we should you know i should really focus on the positives and the fact that the mavericks are now whopping two games over 500 which you had mentioned that before all-star break you would you're you'd be hopeful if they were you know above if they're at 500 so now that they're two games over 500 this is is quite literally cause for for some celebration right yeah i mean they were five games under uh you know, near the start of February. So basically in about a month, you know, they really were changed the course of their entire season. And I think most importantly, you know, they are not, they are creating some, some distance. I mean, they're not creating a ton of distance between themselves and like, you know, they're only a half game ahead of 10th place Memphis, but they're, it looks like they're only like a game and a half out of sixth place. So they're, they're getting closer to avoiding the play-in games. Um, They're creating some distance between themselves and 11th place, which is good. So um, that was the concern was even if, you know, things turned around, but if they just couldn't win, string together enough wins in a row or, you know, enough wins in a, in a, in a stretch of games that even if all the guys came back and things started to look better, it had to look significantly better in terms of the win-loss record because then you're, you know, if you're entering the second half of the season and you're, you know, where the Pelicans are, like a 15 and 20, you know, 11th place, three games back of 10th, and then 10th only gets you into the, you know, playing tournament. You know, that's that's where things get really scary. So, the fact that the Mavericks are are two games above 500, they're a half game out of eighth, they are, you know, game and a half out of six, like we said. Hell, they are a game and a half out out of fifth place. So. They are right back where they need to be in terms of trying to escape the play-in tournament, which I got to imagine is like, I don't know if it's like internally a goal because I'm sure, you know, their expectations before the season were probably way higher, but I'm sure that's kind of like the thinking inside the team is, is for the second half, they got to do whatever they can to get out of that tournament. Cause that's when things can get weird. And I, and I think we all agree the Mavericks are a better, they're a better team than playing in that play-in tournament, but uh, we'll just see where it goes. Yeah, I, I I am I'm big picture very delighted. I did not watch this game particularly closely. I don't <laughs> think there's very much to take away from this game. No, no, I don't think so either. 
I mean, uh, it's good that everybody came out healthy. I was, I was very, you know, they, the fact that both teams shot. So the, the Thunder shot nine of 39 from three, the Mavericks shot eight of 40. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they won is pretty ludicrous. And I, I will say that, that in terms of like actual analysis of the game, they played down to the Thunder's level in the first half, and it was pretty frustrating. I was they definitely irritated. did. Yeah, and I then, mean, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. The second half, they 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 kicked the crap out of them for for you know of the twenty four minutes, probably a solid eighteen. Yep. And you're wondering where was that in the first half? Uh, and you know, this was a <laughs> that first half and the first like couple minutes of the of the third quarter that was pretty good. Uh, evidence for Luka Doncic's MVP uh, candidacy, I think. I mean, it, if if we think the Mavericks are a certain team, then you would think that even without Luka and as good as Luka is, you think they'd still be able to beat a team that is clearly not trying to win as many games as possible, even though this Thunder team plays outrageously hard uh, and and are probably – you know, their 14 to 21 record is actually probably like a testament to how hard they're playing. Like they should be, they should probably have like seven wins when you're looking at this roster. It's, it's pretty crazy. Um, So it, you know, it was a little weird in the first half to see them kind of playing with their food. It felt like, uh, I felt like the process was good on offense. They were just missing almost every single three pointer. I think they were one of 19 in the first half, if I remember, Mm -hmm. or they at least started one of 19. They, yeah, no, it was one of 19 in the first half. Yeah, and then, you know, they made at least four, I think, uh, in the third quarter alone, and, and things just changed. You know, maybe at halftime they kind of looked at themselves, or maybe Carlisle gave them a talk, or someone t- someone said something, or they just kind of realized what was going on. It's like, you can't, you know, last game for the All-Star break, you know, what are you saving anything for? Just go out there, put this team away, and then you can go on your vacation uh, and feel good about it. And it was good to see that. Uh, but before that, yeah, it was it was dicey. Uh, I, I want to mention our own Ryan uh, Mainville said that uh, he did the the research for us. This is the first time the Mavericks won a game scoring less than 90 points since November 6, 2016. Uh, first time they've been un- held under 90 uh, since March 4th, 2019. So it's, this was a crazy game. This was great. Like just in terms of like a, as a statistical anomaly. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was a pretty tough watch from start to finish. Yeah, and and I'm not going to be critical. There's not much to be critical of here. I will say, from a narrative point of view, people are probably going to be like, "Oh, look at look at Kristaps Porzingis. He had 19 points and 13 rebounds. He's plus 16." I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care. Oh, they're going to be mad at you after this one. He had he he was three. He he had some threes in the second half which was just the story the other night. And from a, a strategic point of view, his opening of threes or hitting of threes is sort of like, like the skeleton key, which causes other teams defenses to freak out And and he hit some in the third and there was like a Trey Burke layup, you know, Trey Burke can only dribble with his right hand. If you ever pay attention, he went left and got a right-handed floater, so like in like right near the defense to go off the glass, all because Porzingis is standing at the top of the key 
and the defense temporarily, you know, just long enough to give to give Burke that option, uh, or you know, make it seem like he might pass, which you know Trey Burke doesn't pass, so it's it was pretty preposterous in, in and of its face. But that's what Porzingis does, and that's what he brings to the offense. And so it, it's been kind of fun the past two games watching his, his like the the conceptual fear of what Porzingis brings to the table really get get put on display that said i just hate it when he takes and makes terrible shots (laughs) like he had this real cool pump fake like a dirk style pump fake and then dribbled into a step back when he got al hortford in the air go to the basket my man like go dunk do something forceful and i don't know i'm too hard on him i know i am but it's just uh, it's there's there's just something there where he's clearly the guy that unlocks the next level, and he just seems so interested in doing things that are counter to them being successful. No, yeah, I understand. It is frustrating, and especially I think what really adds to the frustration. And I talked about this. I can't remember if I said it on the podcast or on Twitter or maybe something I wrote, but. Um, I think where the frustration comes from is you kind of, you talked about it is the offense, like even when he's not doing anything, he's literally just standing on the court. He changes the the dynamics of the Mavericks mm-hmm. floor spacing to such an unbelievable degree. Like you just talked about with that Trey Burke shot and, you know, Przingis spacing, just drawing defenders away. Like it's crazy. Even when he's not having a good shooting game, uh, defense is kind of, you know, it's kind of like that Tim Hardaway Jr. effect from the last couple of seasons before he became a good shooter. Like, teams still, like, even despite the percentages, teams still guard him like he is making, you know, 40, 38 to 40% of his threes. Uh, and, you know, he has actually been making a decent amount of his threes, uh, you know, the last has. handful of games. So, like, you know, that good for him. But, like, you know, for the first, third of this you know first you know two-thirds of this game you know the first two quarters and and some of the third quarter I mean he was not doing too much I mean off, defensively I think he was okay and and the Thunder are kind of a herky-jerky team that that uh you know they're not necessarily like you know the Mavericks have gotten some real breaks guarding you know a Memphis team in a bad way Orlando Magic this Thunder team the Nets without uh Katie and Kyrie so that's definitely helped but you know he was he was a contributor on the defensive end you know 13 rebounds that's great it's great that like a small team didn't bully him around or anything like that you don't want to see that because really the the Thunder basically play Al Horford as their their biggest guy you know they have Mike Muscala who comes off the bench but he's not huge and Isaiah Roby is is you know like a like a Dorian Finney-Smith type athlete um I mean you know maybe a little bit more athletic but you know that kind of height so it was good to see him like control the glass and not look out of sorts on the defensive end. Um, but then you know he just wasn't scoring, and you're, you're looking at this game, you're like, man, no Kate, you know, no Luca, and and can he just get some more points? And yeah. when Luca missed those games with uh, those ankle sprains last season, I mean, Kristaps was putting up like twenty five to thirty points a night. It felt like uh, yep. he was really like that was really kind of the. You know, before that moment, we were asking some of the same questions like, hey, what's going on? And then Luca missed those games. We're like, oh, there's KP. Now they got to figure out how to do it with, with Luca healthy. And then they kind of did uh, because Dwight Powell got hurt. 
So it's like, it's just weird. Like it's a weird offensive season he's having because his shooting numbers compared to last season are, are actually kind of better. Um, I think the big thing for me, and this is, this is it like, cause so he finished with 19 points, three, three of six from three. And you looked like the man, 19 points, you know, really would have been nice if he could have given them like a solid 20, 24, 26, 27 point night without Luca, like carry the offensive load. Uh, and you look at it and he had 19, he was two of four from the free throw line. I mean, if he gets to the free throw line seven or eight times, there's your 24, 25 points that you're looking for. Uh, his free throw rate is plummeted. It is tumbling off a cliff. He is a career, his free throw rate. I don't have the numbers up right in front of me, but I was looking, I've been looking at this all season. He's at a career low. Uh, Kirk, I'm going to look it up. I'm sorry to no, look okay. up stats in the middle of the podcast. Yeah, so his free throw rate is currently 20.8%. For his career, his free throw rate is 28%. Yeah. Uh, his career low before this was 27. Like, this is – it's not just, like – it's not just low. It's super low. Last year, he was at 30, 30% free throw rate. Uh, and we're talking about the number of free throw attempts per field goal attempts. Well, uh, I wonder he's just if not that... getting the line, and that's I think that's what a big reason why we're kind of like wondering if there's just a little bit more uh, I'm for his curious. Offense. I and and you know I'm not smart enough to do this. Maybe somebody on our staff is. Maybe somebody on the internet is. But I'd be curious as to when he was getting foul calls that resulted in shots. Like what sort of play action? Like last but, season? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. because he. You know the Mavericks are, are are feeding Porzingis in the post fairly frequently, and they're scoring on his post up shots, one point oh four points per possession, which is okay. I mean, big picture, it's pretty good compared to the rest of the league. But as as has been discussed at length in NBA circles, post ups are not particularly efficient. Like Luca on post ups is something like one point three points per possession because he gets fouled every time. Um. Porzingis, when he's posting, generally the Mavericks are scoring 1.14 points per possession. That stat courtesy of Mavs uh, uh, employee, Bobby Corrala, who who wants, who wanted to just sort of let you and me know that the offense is actually doing okay when he's doing this because he's Porzingis is doing a pretty good job of passing out, which I agree to, uh, which I agree with. It's it's just things just feel a little a little off and I, I want to say that that is as frustrated as I am that the Mavericks are two games above 500 and that things are still not where they want to be could be construed as a, as a good thing. Uh, I've been ranting the past 15 minutes while we were waiting to do the podcast on Twitter about the Utah jazz who are number one in the league right now, like the league, they're the best team record wise. And they lost the game to the Sixers and have been whining. All of them, every single jazz player had like soliloquies that they gave to the, to the, the NBA or, you know, the various reporters about how the refing was unfair. And I just can't help but think, what if the jazz have played the best basket, their best basketball? I, I don't necessarily think that's true because, but they give me like a very 2007 Mavs vibe because it, it's, it's a long season and you just don't want to be playing your best basketball early. We've as as longtime Mavs fans have seen this, and so there's to me there's there's a really uh, uh, fairly straightforward narrative that can be construed 
about how the Mavericks have have not really played that well due to circumstances both within and beyond their control, and that if a couple things go right at the right time, they could do they could do much better. And one of those things, circling back to what you were talking about, is what happens if Kristaps Porzingis continues to face up and gets to the line more. Yeah, that would be that would be massive. And I think you know, you, you hit the nail on the head with all of that. And then when you talk about you know getting back to KP and, and why, you know, where are those free throws not coming from? Like, I don't have it in front of me, but just thinking about it, you know, this goes back to, we talk about how slow he has looked on the defensive end, which is, you know, something the team has acknowledged and Carlisle's acknowledged, you know, as he's working his way back from his meniscus. I just haven't seen the explosive first step on offense, you know, catching the, you know, what he did a lot last year, I felt like is he would catch the ball in the post, turn around, face up, jab step, and then maybe, do a quick quick dribble toward the rim and he would get fouled or do a pump fake and get fouled. Uh, and I'm just not seeing that uh, so far. And I think, you know, the numbers are obviously bearing that out. He's just not getting to the line. So I wonder if he can continue to look uh, more nimble just in general on the floor. That could lead to him getting to the free throw line a bit more. Uh, but that's going to be the thing I'm going to be watching in the second half because I think really that's it. I mean – it is pretty crazy when you look at his numbers. I mean, Kirk, he's currently at a career high true shooting percentage um, by a decent margin by like, uh, <laughs> by, by like two percentage points. Like his, his previous career high was last season at 55. He's at 57 before tonight's game. Don't know if that, I don't know if that would go up tonight though, but I mean like his, his shooting numbers are pretty good. I think he's, Career high on two pointers. Yeah, he's his career high on his two pointers. Uh, first time in his career, he's been above fifty percent on two pointers. He's shooting fifty five percent. Like, mm. there's some good things going on with his his game in terms of just like pure pure shooting. But like, you know, the bigger question is how is it fitting in with the rest of the offense? You know, and can he regain a little bit of that explosiveness? Uh, that he seemingly had last year once he kind of got into a groove so that he can get to the free throw line a bit more. And then mm-hmm. if he can do that, then you're looking at a guy that can carry, you know, Kirk, you've been talking about how bad the Mavericks look when Luke is off the floor and they give it to KP. Well, KP, when Luke is off the floor, it seems like he just kind of shoots a bunch of jumpers. Uh, and, you know, if if he can get back to getting to the free throw line like seven to eight times a game, then you're talking about when Luke is off the floor, then they can get some more consistent, efficient offense because he's getting fouled and going to the free throw line while Luke is off the floor, maybe. Um, so maybe that's the hope, but that's something to look for in the second half. Well, I, I, I before we get out of here, I do think we should pivot to the defense. So you were pointing out something that I was not paying as close of attention to. What happened with the Mavericks in the second half that allowed them to really pull away for long enough to, to make this feel fairly comfortable in terms of a victory? They uh, they put their supposed best perimeter defender on the Thunder. Wait a second! Score. Wait a second! They put the guy that they traded for to play defense on a good offensive player. You've got to be kidding me! They did, Kirk. It was amazing, and it worked. And it worked. Basketball wow. is a very complex game, Kirk, as you know. They put the good <laughs> defensive player on the good offensive player, and it worked. Outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm i'm at a loss i i don't know what they were doing up until that point i don't know what they're doing for the season 
Um, I got questions about Jamal Mosley because I feel I I can't keep coming back to the fact that I feel like the Mavericks are outthinking themselves. Yeah. And it's just frustrating because Richardson is not as big as you would want for a wing defender. But I heard, you know, Bill Simmons and even our, our buddy Jonathan Sharks talk about how he's more of a point guard guy. And I'm like, yeah, but can he be that much worse than Dorian Finney-Smith at times? I mean, he has like a 6'10 wingspan. I mean, let's not act like he cannot guard twos and threes. Like, he can absolutely do that. I just want um, to see them mix it up more. Yeah. It was just weird because... <laughs> I saw multiple possessions where you had Dorian Finney-Smith on Shea Gildress-Alexander. You had um, Josh Richardson on uh, Dort. <laughs> uh, and I don't think – I don't have Dort's stat. Yeah, yeah, one Dort, of nine. Dort yeah. was one of nine. And it's not just because Josh Richardson was on him. It's because Lou Dort is – He's is shooting 33% eight. from three on the season. He's not he, a shooter. He's shooting he, 39% from the floor. He's like a Rick Carlisle all-star. Like, Carlisle would play that dude, like, 42 minutes a game if he was on the Mavericks. But it's yeah. that, you know, it's – it's he's not a good offensive player. So, it yeah, is what and, it is. And then they had um, – so, they had it there. And then, you know, they had Jalen Brunson on on Theo uh, – oh, my gosh. Can't Maladon. Maladon. And so, I'm just like – I understand, you know, you don't want Brunson, obviously, on, on Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I'm just – you know, Dort is like a bigger guy too. So you would almost think that it would make sense to put Finney Smith on him to maybe keep him off the glass, you know, maybe neutralize some of his energy. Cause he's, a, you know, he's a pure energy guy. He's, he is chaos. And <laughs> like, that's when he's good, that's what he's doing in, in games. And it just, I'm and like Gilders Alexander, like you would think that's the perfect, you know, he's a six, six slender scorer and you would be like that's isn't that what josh richardson was put on this planet to do is guard like those types of guys like i'm sorry but you don't trade seth curry so that the guy that you traded him for guards lou freaking dort in in an nba game like you don't uh so that was crazy and then you know they put him on shea in the third quarter and i noticed the first couple possessions that richardson was on shea i mean shea tried a couple of dribble moves and couldn't get really much deeper than the free throw line thunder had a couple of bad shots and hey what do you know uh, at one point in the third quarter after the mavericks put richardson on shea they had a 19 point lead it's incredible I, i'm just i don't know like i don't i'm trying not to be like i know more than the coach guy because i hate being that guy so like I, in my head there's there's got to be something there's got to be it's either they're saving something for the playoffs, which would be kind of funny, or there's some data they're looking at, or there's something about like managing minutes or work. Like there's gotta be something inside the Mavericks. No, it's this has happened to us before over the years. So the only comparison I can think of is, is like, if, if you have a shirt that you really like wearing, you wear it all the time. You think it looks great on you. You do it for weeks and weeks and weeks until finally one of your friends is like, what the fuck? Like, that's a terrible look on you. Why are you doing it? And then you look in the mirror and you're like, is it? Well, I like it, though. And I just can't help but think that that's what Carlisle is with a lot of things. I mean, I still recall Bob Sturm's book about the Mavericks in 2011. This year will be different when they won the championship 
where at some point it was like between game 65 and game 82, where the analytics staff basically said, you have to stop taking these long twos. You need to take threes. And then what happened? They murdered everyone in the playoffs. Everyone. And Carl is just like this about stuff. I It'd be wonderful in the second half of the season if Dorian Finney-Smith wasn't expected to be Sisyphus pushing, I think it's Sisyphus, pushing the damn stone up the hill only to have it roll down over and over. And and that just sort of drives me crazy because it's like I, I, I'm trying to grow past bitching about Dorian when it's like they keep putting him in a position to fail. He is good against James Harden and not good against everyone else. And it's it's not his fault. I, I, I would just love to see more Richardson. I would love to see more variants. I would love to see, you know, just a little more. Now, it's real cool where we're at right now. This has been a absolutely horrifyingly frustrating season as a Mavs fan that has high expectations. I actually picked them to win 50 games. I went and looked at our picks and they've won they've won uh, 18. So I I think I might be a bit wrong because they have to play 38 games in 68 days uh starting next Wednesday which is the 10th. So so this is this is just kind of wild. So we're we're you know we could probably and you know we should reconvene and talk about some of these these bigger picture things over the next several days cuz we're going to have quote unquote off even though there is an an all-star game on on Sunday there's no basketball to be played you and I like our site has some kind of content geared up but with just the grind of this season I'm I'm kind of looking forward to a couple of days of not thinking about the Mavericks in any other than kind of like goofy ways and I say that and and everyone must understand that like we'll still probably put up like 15 posts between now and next Wednesday, you know? Yeah. And I, I kind of want to maybe tape some time cause I haven't been able to write, you know, maybe a more deeper dive into something lately, just with the way that the schedule, I mean, how can it, you, it yeah, just these, keeps coming. Yeah the, yeah. the games just keep coming. So now that we've got a point, this, like, I think this will be a good time. I kind of did this. I did this very briefly after the winter storm caused them to miss a week, just reset and look at like, what's going on. What do they need to do? What are they doing? Well, what are they doing poorly? Like, I think this will be this, this all-star break will be a good time to, to look at that. And it's pretty funny. Cause I know this podcast probably sounds a bit more negative than it needed to. Um, I mean, I still think, you know, I don't think we're like lying about it. You know, yeah. we're not trying to embellish anything to, to make it be worse than it is, but like, it's still pretty neat that there's all these things that we think that the Mavericks can do better. And they've still won nine of their last 11 games. Yes. Um, yeah. They were is, nine and 14 at one yeah. point and they finish eight and or, uh, 18 and 16 and that is pretty damn incredible yeah and and yet it's been a softer part of the schedule but guess what they played a they've apparently schedule. played the long like they've apparently played the hardest schedule by a significant margin yeah. when looking at like basketball reference stuff and so our or my grumpiness in your kind of kind of realism about certain things of the season aside there is a clear path for the Mavericks to do something in the second half. It would not shock me if they get to that six fifth seed spot by the end of the, of the season. Absolutely Ooh, not. Man, and they that. could do it. 
And this is going to sound weird, but they could do that. I think they could get there playing exactly how they're playing right now, which I wouldn't say is their best basketball, even though they are winning games. So yep. uh, there is there is more to unlock, and I'm going to be super curious to see what this team looks like coming out of the All Star break. Uh, and basic, I mean, they got two all. They basically are getting two All Star breaks. They got one yes. because of the crazy winter storm, and they're getting another one now. Very curious to see what this because during these long layoffs, that's usually when coaching staffs and front offices relook at things uh, and and reevaluate and adjust and figure try maybe that's when they start doing some different things. Like I don't think it's uh, I don't want we're not going to get into it, but I'm just going to say it's not a coincidence that the Kristaps Porzingis trade rumors started to bubble up after the Mavericks hadn't played for eight days because. You know, the front office, the coaches are all, they are working or looking at things because they're not having to worry about games to prepare for us so they can actually look at the team and evaluate what's what's happened, you know, catch a breath. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would not be surprised if, I'm not saying like trade rumors, but I'm just saying if things are different, like if they try if they try some different rotations or, or some different schemes or strategies, like, it, like this, this is the time for, for coaches to tinker a little bit and, and see what they got. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there'll be some stuff to talk about over the next several days, and I think you and I will try to figure it out. Uh, the internet at the moment is very iffy on Porzingis' post-game comments, and I just got to tell everybody, it is, you know, it's one thing three years ago to be, like, drunkenly and excitedly happy that the Mavericks ended up with Luka, which was just fun and really, really cool as a fan. This is something else entirely, to watch the whole internet swing to my position from a month ago that kp is a is a is 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 not the the unicorn <laughs> and so it's like i'm watching people get pissy about his comments tonight on and i don't even know what they were and i'm just like wait i'm that's my job like why are why are people doing that there's a lot um, of kirkness on the internet lately i've noticed what's going it's, on it's, it's what are you doing something i don't know i hate it it's my fault that's what we should tell everybody it's all my fault <laughs> Well, uh, be on the lookout tomorrow for a schedule post from our guy, Ben. We, uh, you know, uh, uh, PandaHank41, who you should follow both on Twitter and on YouTube, has a video coming up in the morning that I'm going to do a post about because he just does, you know, some really fun stuff, just reminding us of how different basketball used to be. Uh, Josh hopes to have some things. We have a, a new writer, Kasim, who is going to be, he's, he pitched me like three things, two or three things that he wants to try to write. Uh, that are, would go up over all-star break. So, you know, we're going to have content. I don't know if we're going to have podcast stuff because Josh and I talk a lot already. I'll probably do a locker room and maybe post that as podcast content. If you, if you aren't on locker room, it's remarkably fun for how strange it sounds as a pitch it's live radio with questions. You can, you know, hop on and tell me, ask me questions, that sort of thing. I, I jumped on Lauren guns the other day just to listen to her. And she actually invited me, up and, and asked me and had me uh, answer some questions but uh if you have not rated and subscribed our podcast or uh that sort of thing i can't tell you how much that sort of thing helps us we've really managed to grow our audience in the 2021 season in a way that i wasn't expecting and it's because of our consistent listeners even people who hate us which you know we love you guys too uh so you know as always uh press that like and subscribe button you know hit us up on twitter and social media this has been a great time uh we will talk to you guys hopefully in a couple of days here this has been josh and kirk on mavs moneyball after dark <laughs>